I'm Brendan Zerby, and welcome to the My House Sciences Weekly Podcast, where I bring you topics each week in fitness, nutrition, sleep, cognition, finance, and minimalism to help you become healthier and happier. This week, I'm covering how I pick my 401k investments. Let's get into it. The other week, my employer's financial advisor held a retirement training session for all the employees. His goal was to describe the investment options available to us through our organization's 403b plan, a 401k for nonprofits. In doing so, he made a broad recommendation that the best investment option for all employees was a target date fund. And I thought about this and was like, he's not wrong, but he's also not right. This may be the best option for employees who are new to investing or want to set it and forget it option, which is most people I'd say, but there was something here that made me cringe just a little bit. Normally, I'm all about target date funds if they're low cost, but our target date fund options aren't. And if you're willing to spend one hour per year reviewing your investment portfolio, you could easily save an extra $100,000 by retirement. Obviously, I couldn't speak up in this situation. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't and don't give investment advice, and his recommendations were well-intentioned for the audience. But for me, who somewhat understands our investment options, I couldn't help but think how many people may be squandering thousands of dollars over their lifetime. And so, what else could I do but podcast about it? So today, I'm going to detail how I made my 403b investment choices and why I think it's going to save me $100,000 more than the financial advisor's recommendation. A quick disclaimer, I'm just a dude podcasting in his bedroom on a Friday night. Please do your own investment research and come to your own conclusions. I know basically nothing. Let's start off with some quick definitions that I think will help with my analysis and story. 401k, 403b, or 457. These are just retirement accounts offered to employees at companies, nonprofits, or governments. Think of it like your typical savings account, except for retirement. And instead of leaving your cash in this account, you use that cash to invest in things. That way the money grows faster, but with a little bit of risk. Stock. This is just a partial share of a company. By owning a company's stock, let's say shares of Amazon, you own part of the company. And as the company, or Amazon in this case, grows, so should your share in the company. And all stocks within the United States, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, etc., average a return of about, say, 8% per year. Bonds. This is just partial ownership of a loan. By owning a bond, let's say, from the U.S. government, the U.S. government will pay you back for the loan with interest. And over time, your bond investments will increase as the loan gets paid back along with that interest. And all bonds within the United States average a return of about 4% per year. They're less risky than stocks, but return less money. Mutual fund. This is just a group of stocks or bonds or a combination of both. So instead of owning Amazon, Apple, or Facebook individually, you could pick a mutual fund that covers all stocks in the U.S. stock market or all bonds in the U.S. Mutual funds offer diversification to reduce your risk while maintaining good returns. Financial company. Various investment companies offer various mutual funds. For example, Vanguard, Fidelity, and T. Rowe Price all offer their own mutual funds. Net expense ratio. This is how much a financial company charges you for maintaining that mutual fund. You aren't charged when owning an individual stock or bond, but this can be risky to rely on a single investment. So a mutual fund is a good option to reduce your risk by owning a group of stocks or bonds. Financial companies then charge a fee to manage that group. Anything above a 0.25% net expense ratio is high in my opinion. So now that we have a grasp of what's going on, I'm going to detail how I decided to pick my mutual funds in my 403b retirement account to optimize my returns, aka make the most dough. 
Target date funds. These are a type of mutual fund that in their simplest form are a mix of stocks and bonds. And as you get closer to retirement, the target date fund will start shifting more of your investments from the higher risk, higher reward stocks to the lower risk, lower reward bonds. And it does this reallocation automatically depending on when you want to retire. And this is great for many situations. I actually like target date funds a lot when the cost is right, say below 0.25%. They are a set up and forget it investment option that manages your risk automatically as you get closer to retirement. But during the financial meeting I mentioned earlier, there were two reasons that made me cringe when our investor recommended these target date funds to everyone. One, the target date funds available in our 403b have a net expense ratio of 0.70%. This is high. It costs us a lot to use these target date funds, and this was never mentioned during our meeting. Two, our target date funds are offered by the same institution that offers our 403b account. This isn't bad, but it always makes me pause when someone is recommending their own product. Could there be a conflict of interest here? Are they only recommending their own product because it benefits them the most? Would they even tell us if the best products for us aren't their own products? And that first reason is why I decided not to use a target date fund for my 403b account. And that second reason is what compelled me to podcast about it. Selecting 401k, 403b, 457 mutual funds. So here's what I did instead. I sort of bought the equivalent of what's already in a target date fund, but separately. For example, I bought a low-cost mutual fund that mimics the U.S. stock market. I then bought a low-cost mutual fund that mimics the U.S. bond market. And then I just allocated 90% of my investments into stocks and 10% into bonds, just as a target date would fund would do automatically. And the net expense ratios of my two funds were 0.05% and 0.16% respectively, much cheaper than the target date funds 0.70%. So my custom portfolio is nearly identical to the typical target date fund and the TIAA target date fund that's available in my 403b account. Now there are a few differences, so I'll mention those real quick. I decided not to have exposure to international stocks or bonds. These have historically been outperformed by the United States stocks and bonds and are considered optional by most. Also, the international mutual funds made available to us in our 403b accounts have net expense ratios of around 0.85% pretty expensive. The benefit of a target date fund is it rebalances itself automatically to match how close you are to retirement, stocks versus bonds. But with my custom portfolio, I must spend about an hour each year rebalancing my stock versus bond ratio. Honestly, this could be done in like 15 minutes per year, but I usually get distracted by the fancy performance charts. To sum it up, I just recreated the typical target date fund without international exposure because it was expensive and somewhat unnecessary. I then just rebalance my portfolio each year. So simple stuff. But how does this pay off? My overall return. How does my average 0.15% net expense ratio compare to the 0.70% recommended by my financial advisor? Well, let's math it out real quick. Let's say you're contributing $10,000 per year to your 401k for 30 years. And since my portfolio is essentially the same as the target date fund, we'll assume they both produce a 7% rate of return, which is common. After 30 years, here's what we get. In both scenarios, we invested the same amount of money and grew it to the same ending value of $1,086,852. Wow, we're millionaires. Great. But wait, we still must pay the fees that the mutual funds are charging us, the net expense ratios. With the TIAA target date fund at 0.70%, our fees total $138,000. And you probably thought 0.70% wasn't anything at all until we mapped it out. 
Compare that to only 31,000 from our custom portfolio. So let's get this straight. All I'm doing is spending one hour per year rebalancing my portfolio for 30 years to save on expense fees. In the end, I saved $106,000 for 30 hours of work. That's $3,560 per hour. Yeah, um, I don't mind giving up one hour per year at that rate. Not at all. I shall balance my own portfolio, Mr. Financial Advisor. So here are my final thoughts. Now I know this approach isn't for everyone, and I understand the investment options offered in your 401k, 403b, or 457 are likely different than mine. But this approach of not accepting the default and peeling back the curtains to understand what's going on is something that can pay dividends, literally. And by not accepting our financial advisor's default target date fund recommendation and selecting my own investments that mimic that mutual fund, I found a way that will save me more than $100,000 by the time I'm 60, all for about 30 hours of work. To me, that sounds like a healthier and happier life. Thanks for joining me on the Mile Sciences Weekly Podcast, where I bring you topics to improve your health and happiness through sustainable, evidence-based, healthy habit change. If you'd like to receive weekly updates on the three most important things I've read, watched, and listened to within the past week, sign up for the Mile Sciences Weekly Newsletter. Those on this list will never miss any of the latest and most important information I share about health and happiness. And if you're interested in taking the next step in your journey to health and happiness, check out Mile Sciences Plus. This monthly program provides you with the exact recipes, meal plans, workouts, and exercise programs I use to get and stay in the best shape of my life. Thanks again, and I look forward to talking with you again next week.